Welcome to the Revenue Accelerators Podcast, a show featuring B2B sales and business leaders. Hosted by Excelogy founder and 19-year sales veteran with leadership experience in strategic enterprise and telecom sales, Deep Trikonod. This show uncovers strategies and techniques business leaders have used to go from zero to one and beyond. If you enjoy this content, please subscribe, rate, and review the show to help us reach more people. Revenue Accelerators is brought to you by Excelogy. We help B2B sales leaders improve sales performance by leveraging our patent-pending data-driven sales coaching systems. Find us at www.excelogy.com. Enjoy today's episode. Let's go. I'm here with Matthew Putnam. Thank you, Matthew, for taking time to, to speak with me today. If you can tell us a little bit about yourself, who's Matt, Matt Put, Matthew Putnam? Sorry. Yeah, no problem. Pleasure to be here. So um, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm, I'm Matthew Putnam, uh, Director and of Global Sales Development at Thomas and Sales Trainer uh, at Sales Upskill. Uh, just love sales, love SDRs and booking meetings and building pipeline. So how did you become like the, you know, like what about sales development in particular? So, so there's, there's, there's kind of, um, you know, everybody has a, their path in sales, right? And there's, there's the sales, the occupation of sales has many, many angles to it. There's many entrances to it. How did you like start or how did you, yeah, how did you get your start in sales development itself in sales training? Yeah, it's an interesting story. Well, to me at least, uh, I, I, I started selling raffle tickets when I moved to, to Australia. So I was representing the surf lifesavers out there, fantastic brand. And it was literally selling raffle tickets to help raise, raise money for them to buy uh, equipment and training and, and, and things like that. Um, and that, that got me really started. Like I tell you what, there's, there's getting rejection on the phone and then there's getting rejection face to face hundreds of times in a, in a single day and then doing that six days a week. Right. Um, so that, that really was my start and it's what set me up because again, I don't know whether it was my accent out there, but I, I found that I was quite good at selling these raffle tickets funny enough and, uh, yeah, helped other people do the same thing. Uh, and then, decided to move back to the UK and actually start getting into sort of tech sales and stuff like that. Cause at the time it was the thing, you know, it was like, this is where everyone's making money. This is, yeah. you know, if you want to make a name for yourself, that's what you should do. So yes. started my first ever SDR role working for a company that was uh, you know, a job board at the time, uh, focusing on the oil and gas and later shifted towards renewable energy. Uh, oil and gas at the time was also a booming industry. So, you know, we, we, we're positioning ourselves to having the best audience and so on. And, and, and again, was using skills that were more f- having face-to-face meetings with people to introduce, begin the whole process of cold calling and, and exploring that. And, yeah. So I'm kind of curious. I'm going to take, I'm going to take a step back actually in, in that, sure. in that story, um, selling raffle tickets. I want to kind of paint the picture a little bit. So your first day, so they, so your, your employer in, in Australia tells you, all right, we want to sell these raffle tickets. This is your target. You kind of have an idea, but you've never done it before. Or have you had, had you done some type of sales prior to that? No, absolutely. First, first job. First time oh. I went out and uh, was paid to do something to do with selling. Absolutely. Okay. Awesome. So, so, so help me understand what that, what that, I mean, and I understand you're young and we all have to start somewhere. Um, so 
you get out there, you got, I don't know, do you, are you, do you have raffle tickets in your hand? Do you, is it just like a, like a QR code? Like what do you actually give yeah, them when they buy it? Absolutely. It's a physical raffle ticket. Uh, really interesting actually, because the, it blew my mind at the types of generosity people had, right? So like it wasn't your conventional $2 raffle that you might get in your local pub. Yeah. For example, I mean, these raffle tickets range from like $10 to $1,000, you know, oh, wow. so you gave people the opportunity to contribute, you know, a lot to the the charity that we were working for. And yeah, day one, it was go to an area in, in Sydney, uh, set up a, a table with some you know, banners uh, and then start waving at people and, and, and asking them if they've if they've checked this out before or if they, if they know of the Surf life savers in this case. And, and what kind of goals and targets did your employer say you had to hit? Oh, I struggle to remember because this, this was probably 11 years ago when I was doing this, right? Okay. So uh, it would differ from day to day, but, you know, you'd, you'd have a, a target to try and raise a, a certain amount of money. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. I w- I'm kind of curious about your, your, your approach and how you took that, how you built upon that, right? And, and got to where you are now. So t- today you kind of have two roles. It sounds like. So, you, you yeah. know, you, you run sales development for Thomas and you, and you're kind of founder and lead trainer for sales upskill. So I want, I'd like to focus a little bit on the training side. I mean, I'm sure you're training actually on both and both your personas you train, mm. but, um, what, how do you how do you train like what do you focus on on the thomas side i suspect it's more sdrs right if if i'm guessing is, is that accurate or do you do you yeah. train the full the full gamut of of uh do you manage the full gamut of sales execs and aes and all of that yeah no so i mainly focus on the sdrs and no, I, I suppose to answer your first question uh, there's a couple of things which, which was very transferable from that first role of going somewhere and um you know, pitching someone a raffle ticket, right? Um, and it was just the volume required to to hit a certain target. That was like the main thing that was sort of my first introduction to like, okay, well, you know, if I do the right thing more times, then am I more successful? Mm-hmm. Yes. And then that's been, a, that's literally been applied to, I think, every role I've had since. And, you know, some roles I was better at applying it than others. Um, okay. If I fast forward that to now, you know, I, th- I think that's one of the key ch- key trainings that one I deliver internally and talk about a lot. It's like, okay, let's understand what's actually working. And then we double down on that. And you need to understand what's working in that element, because if you don't understand it, then you, you don't know what you're going to need to do to it's produce the output required, right? Yeah. And, uh, so there's a, com- there's a combination of what you described. So there's a combination of quality and quantity. Right. So to your point of not understanding what actually worked in, in whatever did work to then scale that into like accelerate the quantity of that, of doing more of that activity or that motion, that sales motion. Um, and I suspect, yeah, in, in the SDR world that you manage and that you train on, how do you, how do you help your clients, your employees, your colleagues? How do you help them identify what's working? Like, how do you, how do you, recognize that well I, th- I think a lot of it lies in trackable stats and i feel like if if you're set up as a an sdr and you can't track your activity stats you, you you're sort of approaching the role with one hand sort of tied behind your back uh, and and i think that applies to 
almost any role actually, especially if you're a part of a commercial function, whether you're selling, whether you're managing, whether you're actually doing the, you know, the sales development function that, you know, the, the thing I'm so passionate about. So like, if you can look at the stats behind, okay, I've, I've called, uh, I've called 50 people today and yeah. I know I've connected to 10% of them. Therefore I've had five conversations, you know, and I need to convert one or two of those conversations into a next step outcome. You know, you're, you're, you're already a hundred times ahead of someone who's like, I booked a meeting today and that's it. You know, <laughs> yeah, do, do, I don't know do, how do many people I, mean? I called. I'm not, not tracking how many, I just know, well, I know how many people I called, but I don't know what I did to book that meeting. Yeah. Right. And uh, I think, I think that becomes uh, a really interesting thing to obsess over. And I, I have to say, it's become a bit of an obsession with me to, to the point where I think for me, I, it's very easy to, you know, go straight to the numbers and have a look at the numbers and start looking at, okay, well, this is working. This isn't so working. Mm -hmm. um, that's also a skill set that's been, that I've personally developed over, a, I don't know how many years now. And I think there's one thing I love to work with people on is understanding why that's important and actually focus on that. And, you know, so, so, so there, there's two things. And one, I think one thing that's really important about that, right, is, you know, I, I, you may have seen, I've, I've, I've be, I release these, a, a new cheat sheet every week on. Yeah, I do. I do see skill, right? Really, 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 really cool. Actually. I actually save and download those every time I see them. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And it's like, and you know, that's to, that's to get rid of the barrier of one key issue, which is getting started on a certain skill. Like, look, it's hard to do cold calling. It's hard to do a really good discovery call. It's hard to do a lot of the things that we do in sales. It's never probably going to get easier, right? Otherwise, these people wouldn't get paid to do these roles, right? So yep. they're there to help people get started. But really, you've got to track the results to understand if they're effective or not. Otherwise, you know, you are just getting started. Um, and then it's like, okay, well, I'm talking about cold calls, for example. You mentioned about quality and quantity. It's really fascinating with cold calls because the more quantity you do, the, the, the better your quality increases. True. You more practice. Yeah. yeah, you know, and it's like, <laughs> and one of the ways you can even expedite that even further, again, comes back to the numbers. Okay, well, of the five people I spoke today, I said this is my intro. And that, that actually worked for the two calls that, ended up becoming bookings. Whereas the other three, I, I said something else and actually mm -hmm. wasn't as effective. Okay, well, I know tomorrow, I'm just going to say those two as my opener. And you can start really breaking down, for example, in this scenario, a cold call and be like, okay, well, yeah, what is a cold call? It's a opener to the call to get the conversation starting. Maybe you've said something funny and then you've got to really quickly say something super impactful that's actually of interest to them hook them in and then, you know, make them, you know, have confidence in the having a meeting is the correct next step from this. Right. So, you know, you could break it down into those three things and turn it into an experiment. But, you know, if you're doing that and I've definitely got a lot better at it the last three, four years, you know, treat all those elements like experiments and, you know, you're making like percentile changes. I just want to improve this by 1%. You know, Cause across a week that then could be two more bookings for you. Right. And two more bookings based yeah. on a pipeline value could be, okay, well that across a year is six more deals for your account execs and six more deals for your account execs is more likely going to get you promoted and, and things yes. like that. So yeah. 
big learning and absolutely apply it every single day. It's just like obsess over the numbers and understand what's working, what's not how do working. You, how do you apply that A-B testing of what's working, what isn't? So if you have like, you know, one tweak here, one tweak there, how do you identify, like, do you, do you tend to, are you very scientific about it so that you, you know that you're, all right, this, this is working at X percent and I'm going to tweak, make this one change. I'm going to just, keep that same change out there for like a week, a month. I don't know what, what kind of time frame can you elaborate on that? How do you know that the change you made is the change that's working? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And yeah, you, you have to be scientific with it. So again, comes back to tracking those stats. I'll give some examples on that uh, in, in a minute. Um, and then the other thing is actually, which is a lot of the time really hard to actually do, but is stick to it for a period of time. You should set that before you get, begin these experiments right so uh, if you're going to stick at a, yeah. a cadence testing a message stick at it for two weeks if it doesn't work still stick at it for the two weeks just so you can really prove out that it doesn't work because the reality is understanding almost scientifically why something doesn't work is as important as understanding why something does work and you know okay. we get that's we point. more towards the successful stats when it's like oh that my open and response rate is seven to ten percent fantastic that's great you know to me that's as important as getting zero percent response rate on something i thought may work so i know that's actually not something my prospects respond well to yeah well good at least i know that now because you know if someone wants to try that in the future well yeah maybe we can see if times have changed but odds are i've now proven that this does not resonate with my target audience who i want to you know and what's what how do you track that how so like in terms of you know let's say the two week range from the first of the month to the 15th of the month you're doing one message mm. and then from the 16th of the month to the 30th 31st of the month you're doing another message how do you track the the reporting the output or the the results of that of the two yeah. the two of that whole month rather right the two messages so i mean Depending on the company you're working at, um, normally now, really, there's so there's software bit, there's software that you can get involved for sales outreach, right? Which their big selling point is around the reporting they can produce off the back of it. Mm -hmm. and that's, you know, I, I can't remember the last time I spoke to a company that didn't have something in place like Sales Loft or Outreach or, you know, even HubSpot does it, the sales version of HubSpot. You can track emails, you can track connection rates of phone calls. Yep. Uh, and so on. Really, really important. I think they've obviously realized how important this is and they've made it a you know, basic functionality as part of what they offer. You can, if you don't have one of these tools, you can do a more manual version where you, know, you create an Excel spreadsheet of people that you want to reach out to. And reality is without one of these tools, you can only, the indicator is whether they respond or not. You know, the, um, with these other tools, they do look into open rates, click rates and things like that, which is, really really useful because like click rates is even useful as a leading indicator before someone even responds right like you could be sending someone three case studies based on three different pain points and yeah. then you can see which leader uh, which link are they actually going to click on you know the one they click on the most is where you should probably start you know creating a lot of your content around and, and yeah. your messaging right uh, that's a good point and you know that, that that those two weeks then become super valuable for data finding. 
because you could spend two weeks messaging people and also speaking to people on the phone, sticking to the same message. You know, I sent you this email with this case study because I saw you are this job role at this company. I thought it would be really useful. Am I missing the mark though? You know, as a conversation opener, to be honest, I didn't think it was relevant. Oh, that's interesting. How come? Cause I, I thought this was a hot topic. Ah, for yeah, yeah. Like you, for example, I don't <laughs> um, but yeah, so I would suggest those tools to help track with those stats. There are different ways of doing that. If you don't have one of these tools, but they are fundamental in my opinion. So if you want to, if you want to experiment at pace and really understand what works quickly, you need to have them. The counter that point, what I will say, you're not going to find out what works straight away. And the, for example, me at Thomas now, we're still forever testing different things. We know we're launching new products and, and things like that. And it's like, how, do, how does this resonate with the audience? Well, it, for a lot of them, it's a new thing entirely. So we're testing different messaging, seeing how, how it resonates. You know, is this actually useful? And that's what it comes back to. Is this actually useful for the person we're trying to reach out to? With my yeah, sorry. Sorry. Does it matter the 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 seniority of the person? Does like the does the quality change based on the seniority of the person that you're reaching out to? I think the quality definitely changes when it regards to the quality of the sales cycle, a hundred percent. Because the look, the reality is, I think the more senior people are, the the harder it is to reach out to these people. Right? Um, there's also less of them, technically. Yeah. Uh, so. You know, normally the way I would like to experiment, especially if I'm experimenting for myself, right? So I, I would go to senior people I'd want to try and get into a sales cycle or start, you know, because they're they're going to be the economic buyers at the end of the day. They're going to be the ones that are, you know, ideally going to be closest to the signature signing. So, yep. you know, the earlier you can get them on board, the better, right? The, the people that are less senior do get tasked with the roles of research and find me a solution for this. So it's worth speaking to these people because they're going to have so much insight into what's important to them and, uh, and what's important to their company or to that senior, senior person. So I would definitely, you know, always experiment and reach out to these people as well and understand their viewpoints. I do have a different mindset towards them though, when it comes to actually starting a sales cycle, for example, because at the end of the day, they're likely not going to be the person signing. And you always get that scenario where this person may be really bought on. They're an absolute champion of the product, but that final step of signing, you know, the power is with someone else. Yes. And if you disregard that and you haven't got that person on board, then you've either got to start the whole sales process again with them or you're not going to get the signature because maybe a competitor is. Sure. I don't want to say the word marinated, but marinated both parties better, right? You know, actually, <laughs> they got there first. I've got this person involved as well, and they're really, you know. So, yeah, from a messaging experiment, you could definitely with uh, do a test with either. Does um, um, have have you experienced? So, when you hand off, so let's say it's a sales manager or an individual, like an ind individual contributor that you you've been reaching out to. At what point, like what what in your years of experience, what is the the balance handoff point to an AE for them to close. Like, how do you ensure you, cause you're not, your team isn't closing the deal, right? And, but you're measured on deal closure. How yeah. do you ensure that that AE is actually bringing this to close? So you get to hit your metrics and your numbers. Cause I find that that can be kind of frustrating, right? Cause you hand it off and they just drop the ball. 
Um, Look, that's you know that's one of the forever debated problems with SDRs and account execs as a as a function, and and it's really interesting when you see when one or both or you know is there's an underperformance in one of the teams. Like there's, mm. There can be a lot of blame games, and there can be a lot of issues that can spiral out of control. Uh, it's really interesting, and I think one of the act from an SDRs perspective, right? You know, I'm booking you these meetings. I think they're amazing. And then, you know, there's, okay, well, and then it's over to you to, to close them. So, I mean, the, how I've, you know, with my SDRs of past and SDRs of present, you know, how we always frame this is like, you know, we've got to do our bit of the job as best to our ability. And I, I sometimes I think of this like a, I don't know, you imagine like an, an engine in a, in a race car or, you know, there's so many elements to a racing car where, where it's the aerodynamics, the tires, the engine. And it's like for us, you know, I like to think of us as the, engine getting the momentum going and you know we're, we're that one bit to be honest we are that one bit now the the better we are at that bit it's going to really benefit uh you know the the car as a whole to perform better right and then you know there are other bits of the car that obviously need tweaking and improving and and, and so on um so yeah there, there you know you have to kind of step back a little bit because it's not all in, in our control as a, an sdr but the better we qualify a deal, the more information we provide to an account exec to then use in the following steps has a profound effect on the ability of that deal to close, right? And also, yeah. like, you know, as long as you're doing, if you're, especially if you're an SDR who's looking for multiple AEs, you know, it, it also provides maybe a, a more junior AE an ability to develop themselves as well because you're providing them the same level of quality booking as an AE yes. who maybe perform better, for example. Does, but, so I yeah. like I like your analogy of the engine, right? Um because if the if your velocity is faster, if your relationship with that whoever it is that you before you hand it off is stronger, it that momentum will carry them a certain amount of distance further into their job to, to give them a little bit more success on on closing that. But you mentioned champion versus decision maker earlier. Um, do you, does it vary to you? Like, do you like to get, or are you, I don't, I'm kind of curious and I, I suspect this is different for every SDR leader, but, um, changing or handing it off rather, is it after one contact after a champion? Like what's the, what's the, uh, threshold at which you hand it off to an AE? Is it because yeah. a champion? Is it because... You found an influencer or two influencers. Like, like, how how do you know? All right, this is the time I'm handing it off. So, look, I'll, I'll caveat my answer here with again going back to the the stats and the analytics behind it. Right. So, you know, I would expect of you know of a hundred meetings booked, I'm expecting seventy to eighty percent of those to go, you know, opportunity accepted and really enter the pipeline. Right. Now, now I say that because the handover, the, it, 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 it's on a scale of hyper qualified. We know everything about them. They're really interested. They really want to buy very soon to, I, I try to get as much information out of them as possible. This is what I know. Yeah. Now, depending where you are on that scale, I think you're more likely to be sales accepted than not sales accepted, you know? So the less information, well, my expectation with the teams are like, well, there's hope, you know, we've got this much information. We couldn't get any more that there's a chance this doesn't get sales accepted. So the more information, the better, right? You're just as an SDR, you're strengthening your chance to hit that 
sales accepted number. Um, now with that, you know, what would I set as the expectation? So, you know, one, it always comes back to the problem of the person that you're speaking to. Like, do they actually have a problem that we understand and can fix? If no, don't book them in. <laughs> don't push them into the sales cycle because, yeah. you know, it's, it's pointless for everyone involved. If yes, great. We need to understand as much of that as possible. Um, sometimes you can't get loads of information without a more detailed conversation. So, but first point, let's clarify. Do they have a pain that we know about and can fix? The next thing is, okay, let's understand your know, rough time scales. Maybe, you know, is it something they're looking to get sorted ASAP or not? Because the reason why that one is so important, obviously, in well, let's not think internally, but internally, you know, obviously everyone's got a revenue number to hit, but from a unselfish perspective, when you think about the prospect, depending on how much urgency there is, you can really tailor your sales process from the back end. If you understand they're urgent, you then have to behave urgent with them. Look, appreciate I want to get this. You want to get this fixed ASAP. Look, I found an account exec who can actually have a meeting with you tonight or tomorrow morning. Look, yeah. we get it. Let's get this sorted. You know, match the energy they're providing there. If it's something they want to fix over two quarters, Great. Okay. Well, let's understand you've got some time to fix this. Our normal sales process is this long with this many steps. When should we get this started? We could start this next week, have the first meeting and then start looping in other stakeholders that you think are interested. You know, so match the energy they're providing there. Um, and I'd want to understand, you know, and I've, I've kind of hinted on that in that last thing I just said there about, you know, who is the person that's actually involved? Is it someone who's likely to become a champion or a, uh, you know, the person who's going to be, uh, signing off on the deal, right? Because if I can highlight that earlier on, we can start managing that internally between the SDRs and the account execs. Because if it is someone who's a bit more junior who would need to get other people involved, well, let's get them in as early as possible. So, you know, who else needs to be involved in this process for you, you know, analyzing what solution's best for you? A lot of the time people tell you, and it's okay, well, when do you think it would be worth getting them in? The next is a discovery call with a demo, you know, do, would they be interested in seeing the demo? We can get the invite sent to them and so on. Yeah. Uh, maybe they are that I'm the decision. I, I'm the one who's making the decision on this. Great. Fine. Well, look, don't have to invite anyone else for the next step. We'll make sure we show you what you need, clarify what they want to see and, and so on. So there'd be, there'd be my three non-negotiables really. It's, you know, it's around the pain point. It's understand the timeline and then understand who needs to be involved. The more you find, though, that you know, the, all this information gets handed over to the account exec anyway, who then recaps this at the start of the call. You spoke to my colleague; they had a great call with you. They, they told me that this is something we're looking to get sorted urgent. So look, yep. I'll move as fast as you like me to move. These are the problems you told me about, or you told my colleague about. These are the people that need to be involved. You're looking by this weekend. Great call. Well, th this is what the presentation is tailored to, by the way. So, yeah, and then I, begin. I, I love your. Um your approach to SDRs. I've worked with many, many, many SDRs, um, SDR managers, SDR teams, both in-house outsourced um, in my career. And I've, it's, it's refreshing to hear your perspective on the SDR and the handoff and all of that. I feel as an AE when, cause I was never, I'd never been an SDR, which is a, which is why I kind of uh, lobbed the questions that I did, but as an AE receiving those meetings and those meeting requests and things like that, those sales acceptance, I felt like the SDRs are measured on just checking a box on getting that meeting. Mm. They're not the, the people that I end up talking to were not necessarily qualified. 
And so it's very refreshing that, that, that you're, you have that perspective, right? That you're, you, you, you're trying to get it to a point where the handoff is clean, where the execution post handoff is, it has the highest amount of success. You're not just how many handoffs can you do? Right. And I guess maybe that's a, that's a function of, do you define that or was that defined for you in terms of what, what the metrics are for maximum success for the team? Yeah. Well, look, so what those, how that's defined, right? I've done this the last few companies I've worked with and company I consulted with previously as well, where what you do is you get the SDRs and an A and the AEs in a room together and let them hash it out. What's important, what isn't important and get them all to agree. And, you know, you have to play both sides a little bit, but you know, you want these, these four points before a meeting begins for you to be confident that the meeting's good. The A's explain why the SDRs think, well, you know, can I actually ask that on a cold call? Yes, no. And then eventually you get to a middle point and you go around the room and like, so we're fine with this. You know, we want this to be the minimum expectation. Yeah, that sounds good. If if I had those things, I could definitely run a good demo discovery like call. That. Have and have you? Yeah. Sorry, so sorry. Pa- finish, finish. I was gonna say, yeah. It's it's just it I, look, versus dictating what it should be. And look, I've I've done this at like I say a fair few companies, and it, it always it you normally get to the point where it's similar answers every single time. But that's not the important bit. It's the agreement across both teams that this is what we would like and this is what we think is achievable and yeah. is that verbal accountability that they all have to each other they've all agreed it's a team decision and then they're super proud when they've achieved it you know i i've hit the nine is i hit the minimum criteria of what you want a number one but i've also got these two additional points this is a really exciting up you, you start getting those conversations which is when you your team really start gelling really well and look, you may have an older team that has been doing this for years and you want to streamline that whole process. You know, this is one of the first places to start. Like, what does that handover look like? What is good for both parties? Come to that's, an agreement. That's brilliant, actually. Um, I, and I mentioned I've, I've dealt with sales development teams. I've done, I've never seen that, that negotiation ever take place. I, I like, it, that's that's a brilliant statement. I'm sure it does to some extent in in the past, but in in the few organizations that I've worked for, I haven't seen that happen. Usually, there the SDR role is critical, and um, it's not given a lot of thought. They think that they're just kind of boil like. There's an old older movie. I'm dating myself here um, called Boiler Room, um, and where they're just dialing, they just mm. just constant dialing, and the point of it is to get meetings, but it's in in many of the cases that I've experienced, they're not qualified meetings. They're just they're you know qualified in the sense that the title is right, the seniority level is right, done. That's it. You check those two boxes, and they're willing to have a conversation. That's it. But that doesn't necessarily yeah. to your point earlier. They don't have a pain, so the product doesn't solve their problem. So that there's really no point in having a meeting. Um, and so. I've, I've seen a lot of that as well, but so in, in your travels, the last thing I kind of want to end with is, um, do you, have you had any experience that is you know, kind of a school of hard knocks, things that they don't teach you? So your training, one of the things that you train on, are there any from personal experience that you thought would have worked intuitively? These, this is the way you should do it. Turns out 
you were grossly mistaken and kind of um, like, how did, how did you end up learning from falling on your face? And it could go far as far back as, as kind of selling raffle tickets all the way up till now. Yeah. No, I, I, I think one of the things that you go, you, you work at a company and you, you eventually get really skilled at that company. You do really well. You get very used to saying the words and certain things work great. And then it comes that opportunity where maybe a, a better offer is on the card somewhere and you join somewhere else. And you're like, well, I'm just very good at my job. Very good at selling. Very good at getting someone to buy a raffle ticket. And then you think that those skill sets are going to be completely transferable to the next next place and you know so i've had that a couple of times in my career where i've gone to another place and i thought you know this is going to work like you know i'm joining you because i know that i could do a really really good job and you kind of come in with that confidence the reality is then it just doesn't work it doesn't work at all (laughs) and the the understanding that you know one of the things i've really changed in the way i approach working with people and working working with companies right is there's a hard reset when you join a company that you have to just absolutely embrace that you are now the least educated person in that company about what they do, how they help people and and so on. Now, don't get me wrong. You've got skills that are completely transferable from the last place. Like that actually how I like now picking up a phone, like I I don't have an issue with picking up a phone and making a joke with them as my opener uh, about calling them on, a day that I'm having, you know, whatever, right? Whatever it is you say, I have no issue about that. But then the next bit that follows, like the words I say after to describe my current company, I'm then like, oh, I need to say these words again because I don't know how to say the words. My brain's thinking faster than my mouth and, and things like that. So, and look, my personality, I'm very high energy and very uh, rather driven. So I want to get results ASAP. I want to get going ASAP every single time I want to speak to people. And then what happens is I fail very, very quickly. And in, in my personality reacts really poorly to it because I want things to go well. So <laughs> one thing I learned maybe a few years ago, uh, yeah, I'd say about four years ago, was when starting a new role, it's absolutely just accept the fact and embrace the fact that I now know nothing. Now, I know some techniques that I'm going to try, but I need to start all over again, reality is. So yes. what can I then do to learn as quickly as possible? There's so embrace it. Yeah. There's yeah. a there's a certain humility that you have to take, and you have uh, to understand that while you, to your point you have transferable skills in a new role, and yeah. definitely leverage on those. But but there's a certain thing, there's a certain amount that you don't know. You're you're the newbie. You're the you're the FNG. If anyone knows what that stands for, something yeah. new guy. Um, yeah, you got to kind of play that role. Learn. You got to learn everything that you don't know in that new organization. Hundred percent. Yeah, I think by embracing the fact that that's a fact, it's you almost absorb quicker. You know, I, th- I just finished a book uh, by Jeb Blant about uh, selling in a crisis, and mm-hmm. he makes a really powerful statement. In, I can't remember which chapter it was, chapter three or something, where he goes, uh, "You know, success and naivety can never occur at the same time." Like, yeah, you can't be naive if you're naive about who you are, what you know, and how to achieve something and you think you're just going to be amazing at it you know you, you skip that important process of learning studying yes experimenting testing seeing the numbers which will you know test the numbers it instills confidence in yourself that you That's know this point. is a problem people face so when you pick up that phone call uh, and that person picks up and you then tell them that most people in your position are facing this as a challenge at the moment is that the case you know they're going to say yes 
because you know the stats already you know 80 yes. percent of people have this you know um and i think yeah the quicker you embrace that the quicker you shadow people who can teach you these things the quicker you can find stats that reinforce your beliefs on this you just do that every every time it's even worth doing that every year to be honest with you about we've sold this many to this customer but their use case has changed like okay well what is that well i want to get ahead of the game because i want to be going into next year knowing what the real problems are i want to know what that is yeah so i can be there first right and i can yeah. say that with that's, absolute confidence that's that's so true right on point um matthew um we're we're at time actually we got we went a little bit over but i'm grateful okay. for you spending uh, a few minutes with me um is there anything you'd like to share with the audience that's kind of looking to improve themselves is things that we didn't get to talk about um, well look, firstly thank you for having me uh look, I, I i think anyone who can embrace development as an actual skill like the speed to learn is just incredible so uh recently finished atomic habits an amazing book would suggest anyone has a look at it i i share free training on various elements of sales on salesupskill.com i'd suggest anyone have a look at that and check it out like i say free resource all my experience it's all the training i offer everyone anyway where no matter what job i join so um yeah thank you very much it. i love it i love that offer um salesupskill.com uh go check it out well thank you so much matthew um until next time everyone cheers bye be sure to check us out at www.excelogy.com.